Hey, this is Kristen Yorka, host of the Wild Wonder podcast. I just wanted to jump in real quick and share with you a new opportunity on our Patreon page. Patreon subscribers now get access to the Wild Wonder book club, where we mainly focus on translated literary fiction and books by writers from marginalized communities. Book club members receive a monthly invite to our live coffee, no spoilers meetup, a Wild Wonder podcast tie-in, rituals, and more. To join our book club this month, become a Patreon supporter for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash wild wonder. Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Wild Wonder podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Yorka, and with me today is Jill Dresser, of the French Quarter Kids Scores in New Orleans, Louisiana. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's so great to have you here. I myself teach kids every day, um, but I'm interested in knowing what got you, well, first working with kids, maybe first to Louisiana, because I know you're not a native, and secondly, working with children. That's a good question. Um, so I'm originally from Massachusetts, and uh, it was really cold there growing up and standing in the bus stop. And from a very young age, I vowed that as soon as I could move to a warmer climate, I was going to move. And when I turned um, 17 in high school, everybody was applying to go to Tulane University at, in New Orleans. And I didn't really know anything about New Orleans or Tulane, or I just knew it was warm. And I actually thought it was an island. <laughs> um, so I applied and I ended up getting in and I came down to, I came down here in 94, sight unseen. Wow. I'd never visited or seen the campus or anything. First day of school was the first day I stepped foot in New Orleans. But as soon as I got here, it just kind of captured my heart and spirit. And I felt like I was home. It's a really mm -hmm. weird feeling, but there's a lot of people who come to the city who just connect to it on a have a different level and then right. that's how it's always felt for me here so i came here been here off and on about 27 years and um I, while i was at tulane i was studying psychology and history and i wasn't totally clear on what i wanted to do um i had an adolescent psychology professor who had us work in the local schools to learn about adolescents and teenagers mm -hmm. and um he sent us to some pretty tough schools. And mm -hmm. I went to this school, Elsie uh, Forche High School, which is was just a couple blocks from Tulane. Um, and it was like a different world. It was a really kind of lacking in resources school as mm -hmm. a public school. The teachers were didn't have like the materials they needed to teach. And I was really struck by this because I, you know, Massachusetts, the education system is really it's really excellent honestly the mm -hmm. public school system there is really good um but i didn't quite realize that that wasn't a universal thing and that what i got right. wasn't what everybody got and so that's kind of what started me in education i started seeing that like access was not the same and other kids were sitting in class and even if they wanted to learn they didn't have the then i started wanting working with kids in local schools as part of my work study program at tulane and i just fell in love with kids then it started, it was like initially like a political kind of social justice thing. And then right. I realized how goofy and awesome kids are and mm -hmm. they kind of just rejuvenated my spirit. And so I stayed with them and I got away from the adolescents though. I started, I work with little kids. <laughs> Younger kids. 
Yeah. So what is it about younger kids that calls to you? Because I feel like I connect much more deeply with young children than I do with adults. Like, yeah, are you also the person in the party that will like go to the kids table instead of like hanging with the adults? <laughs> yeah, I think, I don't know. I just, I love how uninhibited they are and they're, they're just goofy. They don't, they don't seem to, I mean, they judge, but like, it's not in, it's not in like a malicious sort of way. Like, I, I mean, they'll right. come up to me and be like, you have really big teeth. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I do. you know, they'll say that stuff and it's like, okay, like I appreciate they're actually saying it. Whereas, you know, I don't know, I, I guess I, I don't trust grownups because they don't say what they're thinking maybe. Right. It's children. It's more objective. They're not saying it to, like out of spite or for any other reason, except they're making an observation and yes. relaying that information to you. Yeah, and it's it comes from like you know a goofy, sweet, innocent space. It's not coming from like a you know ulterior motive. It's just you're right. It's just objective, observational sort of stuff. And they right. their their imagination is I don't know. It just reminds me of of when I was a kid and like building forts and like just I had this whole other fantasy world where I lived. And whenever I'm around kids and they just they can just rattle off ideas for children's books like they're just coming yeah. right out of their mouth and I'm constantly like oh I gotta write that down that's such a good yeah. idea they're just full of creativity and imagination so it keeps me young it keeps me energetic absolutely I, I feel that way about children's books now whenever I'm in like a tough space I've just been picking up children's books I want to go back into that space where anything's possible you know creativity just flows you could be or do anything yeah, I just love it's that. <laughs> yeah. It is. Yeah, and I mean, and that's kind of like working with kids and especially teaching where you're trying to like get information to them, mm. but make it fun. It forces you to kind of be creative and figure out a way to engage them. Like if whether you're doing yoga or whether you're doing anything, like it's mm -hmm. you got to find a way to make it kind of fun and silly and interactive for them in a right. way that's not, you know. It's, it's not like education in a textbook being forced over their head. It's something like right. that captures their imagination. It's like you slip it in the Which is what you do with these ghost stories. But before we jump into your tours, there has to be a period of time where you went from like, okay, maybe education and children is a thing, to like, let's do spooky ghost tours. <laughs> How did yeah, that there, was, there was a big transition there. And that, that was actually kind of... A, a lot of false starts and a lot of kind of awkward starts. Um, so I, I ended up leaving teaching. I left it a few times. I, I just, I couldn't find my fit in my school. Um, and I ended up working at a historic house museum in the French Quarter called the Herman Grima House. And it was built in 1831. And I, my office was in the slave quarters where um, the enslaved people actually slept. And it was right above where the old kitchen was. And I started really learning about like the history of the people who lived in that house. And there wasn't a lot of information about the enslaved people that lived there, but there was, you know, there was some, and I just was kind of captured by like the presence of who had been in that actual room where I was working and like what their story was and like how that, that feeling kind of lingered in the air and like in, in mm -hmm. that space. And as I was working there, I was doing the education programming. So I was doing like designing um, summer camps for kids and like um, tours and field trips and stuff in this historic house. And then as part of the summer programs, we started walking around the French Quarter and I started taking these kids from the museum into the French Quarter. And then, you know, I 
my friends were doing bike tours and they're like, we keep getting requests for kids tours. Like, do you want to do something like that? And I was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. Like, so right. it was a hard sell in New Orleans. And a lot of people thought I was absolutely nuts to think <laughs> anybody would want to do like a kids tour in the French Quarter in New Orleans. And I had to be like, no, we're not going to Bourbon Street. We're not going to like that. There's right. a whole other side of New Orleans that does not involve alcohol. Believe it or not, <laughs> it does exist. Um, and so once once I kind of started doing history tours, then I had all these kids and parents and stuff who kept talking about like ghosts in New Orleans and ghosts in New Orleans. And I thought like, this is like, yeah, but I can't, what am I going to do? Talk to kids about ghosts? Like, that's crazy. Right. They're going to be so scared. Like, how am I going <laughs> to? And I, so I tried and I started the Creepy Crescent tour. And then I just, I couldn't figure out like how to dial it up or down so that they didn't have nightmares. Because the last thing I wanted was them to like go home and you know, stay up all night crying and scared and all that stuff. Right. So I would like, I'd write the tour and I'd do a few of them. And then I, and then I would just critique myself and be like, that poor kid. And, you know, so I would stop <laughs> it and I tried it again because I could be, kids kept asking about it and parents wanted it. So I just stuck with it and eventually figured out ways to make it more like intriguing and magical and kind of um, zero in on the fact that like ghosts can't hurt you. They don't, they're not, you know, no one's ever been hurt by a ghost like I, right. now and then kids would be like demons and they'll tell you all these other stories and you're like yeah but that's you're talking about something different we're talking about like ghosts right. and spirits like, <laughs> the spirit cannot physically make contact with you and so when mm -hmm. once i could get my head around that and communicate that to children then i could present it in a way that was like okay we're going to hear about ghosts but just keep in mind they are they can't hug you they can't tug you they can't do anything you know bad mm -hmm. to you they might spook you because you can't understand them, but that's about it. Right. That's, that's as far as it's going to get. So that, that, that must be a delicate balance because there's that, I mean, I see it in kids. They want to be scared. A lot of kids yes. like, like that, but they're not too sure about how far, you know, right. they want to be scared. Right. Like, I've seen that on roller coasters. I've seen that with movies. They're like, yeah, we're going to do it. And then they're horrified that they yeah. decided to do this thing. Right. And you don't want to be the one responsible for it. So it's like, I have to just really, I've, I've, I guess it's my, my psychology degree is coming in handy because I can yeah. watch their little eyes get big and I can you know, <laughs> see like if they're tapping or whatever. And I just have to like really focus on where their head is at when I'm telling a story. And, and I've done it enough now that I can kind of adjust it down or like play it off as silly or, or crank it up. Like some kids are just like, and what? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then <laughs> this like crazy thing came out of the wall or whatever. And like I get, have to get more dramatic with some kids. So it's right. it's amazing though. Some kids have a really high tolerance for the scary stuff. I don't. I mean, I always liked the intriguing, kind of magical, mystical stuff. But there are some kids who really want to hear about like skeletons and heads chopped off and what you know, zombies. Like zombies are a huge thing with kids. Like. I, I don't know. I don't think they had zombies when I was a kid. So <laughs> I remember being into zombies. I was really into monsters. Like I remember monsters? like digging. Yeah, really into monsters like vampires, werewolves, like all oh my gosh. That, that type of stuff. I was like deep into as a child. Those are scary though. The, the, <laughs> like because mon and I've had to tell kids on tour. I'm like, don't tell anyone I told you this, but like monsters are not real. Like you just, <laughs> they're like really. I'm like yeah, they're not. Like it's it's just not. Because it means I don't want them to be scared. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like they are able to absorb more? Because you taught like a straight up like historical tour with kids and then you went the spooky route. 
Do you feel like they're more engaged in absorbing when it's like under this theme of like ghost stories and spooky stories? I mean, I can I can tell you just looking at my business statistics because I yeah. still offer the history tour and I can I can look at the bookings and like you know the the Creole Kids History Tour. We even stop at the Harmon Grima House and the kids get such a huge dose of history and I'm so passionate about it. But it's a harder sell. I mean, it just mm. it just in and of itself selling that idea to kids that they're going to like a history tour is much much harder. The the Dressing it up with like ghost stories or like delivering it through ghost stories is such an easier pill for them to swallow for some reason. Yeah. And they, you know, parents are more inclined. They'll say to the kids, you want to take a history tour? You want to go on a ghost hunt? And the kids are going to say, I want to go on a ghost hunt, mom. Yeah. <laughs> what are you right. even asking me for? What do you, do you think that draw is? What do you think that draw is for like us as adults and kids about ghost stories? Why, why do you think we love them so much? That's a really good question. I, I think, I mean, it just is kind of such a fundamental question of life is like, you know, life and death and what happens mm -hmm. after you die that I think from a young age, all of us have to kind of figure out where we stand on that and what we think mm -hmm. of it, whether we come at it with like a religion that, you know, heaven and where you go or if you think, you know, my husband is a scientist and I didn't realize like how much I'm not like this, but he is like just he's like we turn into dirt and that's the end of it. You know, after mm. you die, then then you bugs and dirt and <sighs> that's it. And I'm like, no, that's not possible. And the right. more we kind of kind of argue with each other, the more I lean into the fact that like I don't agree with you. I don't have an answer, but I don't agree with you. Mm -hmm. And I think that everybody kind of has to to come to some place. So there's like this is like human curiosity. There's very few people I know, like my husband, that are just, they absolutely do not believe in anything. Right. So, you know, so, I don't know, I think it's, it's almost like you have to believe in, in, it doesn't, the energy doesn't just stop. Like, we, mm -hmm. the cynical kids on tour, they're like, this is all fake. <laughs> You've heard of Einstein, and then they're like, yeah, of course. Einstein says, like, you, you know, energy cannot be created or destroyed. So, like, mm. at the end of someone's life, that energy doesn't just get destroyed. It has to go somewhere. And my husband will relent to that. He'll, he'll accept yeah. that and say, you're right. <laughs> it goes somewhere. And I'm like, well, where does it go? So it, it, like, dissipates and is kind of hovers in the air. So it's a weaker energy. So it, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The question, like. Yeah, no, I don't think there is an answer to that. I always, as a child, found ghost stories kind of hopeful. I know it sounds like weird and dark, but I always liked listening to ghost stories because it made me feel like I didn't have to be scared of death because life continued in some other way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and you can, you know, you've lost someone that you love, like even if it's like a puppy or you know, grandma or something, just knowing that like their presence or their spirit or something is some could possibly be with you right now and in the room with you mm -hmm. is a really comforting feeling. I mean, just yeah. that having that severe belief that it's like it's just over is over is, yeah, you're right, that there's no hope in that. And it's kind of like devastating to think that way. Right. I don't know how he, he does Don't that. Like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like I need to believe something, even if it's you know, it's, I don't know. Yeah, there, there's got to be more to it. I mean, there's got to mm -hmm. be like more continuity with like the past. I just feel such a connection to the past that I know that 
there is some that it's kind of a bigger picture of of us all being kind of interconnected. Even like people that lived a long time ago, how their lives have have happened and played out impacts our lives and it is still all connected. So and you can feel that energy. New Orleans, have you been to New Orleans? No. I've been to New Orleans, but I haven't been to New Orleans since college. So it's been a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, it's palpable. You can feel, yeah. you can feel it. It's, it is a spooky city. And there's just some places that are like that, that, and I don't know what it is about the city. Um, I tell the kids that like our elevation is like, you know, closer to that kind of spirit realm and Greek mythology mm. is below, it's below the land of the living. And because we're so low. Oh, yeah, then we can like actually pick up on that that spirit energy. I kind of feel that way about Savannah too. I don't know if you've been to Savannah, yeah, but I've been to Savannah more recently. And I kind of it's not New Orleans, it's a different culture, but it does have that same kind of vibe that you could feel kind of like the spirits in the air, like the past is not the past, the past is here with us. Yeah. Somehow. It's you know, and that continuity. But also yeah. what you're doing through the stories is carrying a memory forward. So in a way, these ghost stories are keeping the memories of some people alive. Yeah, and they're, so there are interesting stories, and, that, and that's what I like to, to really dig into with the stories, is who's, why did this story catch on? Who did it impact, and why is it retold? And it's retold mm -hmm. from different perspectives, and um, we've actually started trying to communicate with ghosts. So we have, we had just a little kids tour, the spooky ghost, the spooky ghost mm -hmm. hunt. Um, but then it, I kind of started a tween version of that called the twilight tour. And that oh, one gets cool. a little bit deeper into like actually using like a pendulum and trying to talk mm -hmm. to some of the ghosts. And there's one ghost in particular who is who, in the French quarter who, you know, was said to be this like horrible woman who um, tortured enslaved people and there's, um, it's probably the most famous story in New Orleans, uh, haunting in New Orleans. American Horror Story was based on it. It's this mm. woman named Madame Lori. And we try to communicate with her through using a pendulum and having the kids ask her a question. And it's a really oh, wow. interesting um, activity because the kids, the kids are curious. And, it, and part of the thing is, like, I had this woman's descendants on my tour, and they said that she had been blamed for doing this awful stuff, but it was actually her husband who had done this awful stuff, and that uh -huh. her spirit kind of stays on that premises to try to communicate with other people and get this idea out that like I didn't, I got blamed for doing this and I didn't do it. And when mm -hmm. I tell this all to the kids, they are really intrigued and they want to try to talk to her and get her side of the story to see like, were you this malicious person or was it your husband mm -hmm. who was, you know, so awful? So it it almost gives it a second chance that she could be heard through communicating with this pendulum. And that sounds really far-fetched, but... <laughs> no, but it brings it alive. Like, even if you were to do it in a classroom, you know, it would still work because somehow you're you're bringing the past to life and that gets kids engaged. So they're able to communicate and become inquisitive as if they were speaking to someone in the past. Whether yeah. or not that ghost is there, I think it doesn't even matter because right. they're already in the headspace of like, what would I ask this person? What would, and compassion, empathy, like what would this person would have felt like? What would the victims have felt like at this time? I think it makes it more real for them. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's a lot like you, so we were saying like you can use these stories to learn about time periods and stuff. And and this um, in particular 
ghosts, she, it was the 1830s and, you know, women were kind of portrayed as hysterical and, mm -hmm. you know, they were judged real harshly and um, that plays into like how that story was told and how she was this wicked person, just like the witches in Salem or whatever, like these women mm -hmm. have been kind of demonized throughout time. So giving kids like a little bit of context on that, like this is, this is the time she was living in and she you know, didn't have political power like men had. She didn't, she wasn't believed her voice was not, you know, taken as seriously as men. So like, you know, if he blames it on his wife and and that then everybody chases her out of town and she's now it's the Madame yeah. LaLaurie mansion. It's not the Dr. LaLaurie mansion. Like it's she got blamed for this. And that's not, you know, the only time that, you know, that happens. Like the women kind of get this like witch hat that gets thrown mm -hmm. on them. So I think just looking at trends over time, you can really see how people are treated and how like the culture, the surrounding culture feels towards them. You know, you can do it like with slaves, like there, there are stories of enslaved people haunting houses and mm -hmm. or slave masters. And like, it's kind of, it's just interesting because it, it reveals a lot about what people were thinking at the time and who they feared, you know? But also what an important lesson for now, especially with the advent of social media and every kid having a phone, to be able to ask the question, who is telling the story and who gets to tell the story and why is yeah. the story being told to have those kind of questions come up, I think can I help a lot of kids like make sense of the world around them yeah. instead of just yeah. absorbing information. Yeah. And thinking critically about, about mm -hmm. that story, about like what the fear was and like why, yeah, why you blame some people and why you don't blame other people and how it gets, Hold and kind of character assassination of people based on really that time period. Like it, you look at like what was happening and why that mm. was happening. Yeah, it's it's interesting. There's a there's a lot and there's a lot of kind of different nuances with the ghost stories throughout time. There's you know common themes of like lost love and mm -hmm. you know mourning and stuff that plays into it. But we're also in New Orleans dealing with a lot of different cultures too blending, right? Yeah, I mean, from what from the little I know, it's we have the the French, we had the Spanish come through at some point. Mm -hmm. There's the enslaved Africans. There's more recently Haitians that mm -hmm. all add to this mix. Yeah, and then the Americans come in with like the Protestant right. background, and they were just they did not go for that. You know, it was there was definitely kind of almost a cultural divide um and it was a it was a pretty deeply religious catholic society when the french mm -hmm. were here and the spanish were here so but voodoo was also practiced and allowed to be practiced not in the city limits but on the outskirts so that mm -hmm. added like another dimension so like spirituality was like it was kind of oozing out of all sides from all different people and the, and the like the catholicism that was practiced here was looser than other places it wasn't so rigid like they actually allowed people to kind of in uh, interpret it differently like mardi gras is a great example of that because that mm -hmm. is like so much debauchery got right. hanged up in that and it's really it's not supposed to be kind of like it's done here but it is it's just it, it's <laughs> it's kind of a ridiculous party if you've ever been to mardi gras it's like yeah it's a, a religious holiday you're supposed to be like you know get rid of all your sins the night before you start lent um but it, you know, 
New Orleans. Yeah, I tried to explain that to my Italian husband of what Mardi Gras is. He's like, what? Because in Italy, it's right like this somber holiday. You go through like the traditional rituals. I'm like, no, it's this huge party. And he's like, I don't understand why. Why are they doing I don't know. I mean, everything is like a huge party. Even like a funeral is a huge party here. You know, there's like second line parades or funerals here or jazz funerals. And the first time I ever went to one here is a... Ernie Cato's funeral, which was a um, R&B singer back in the day, and when he died, it was this huge send-off. Just I don't know, tens of thousands of people, and they were dancing on the cemetery walls, and there's some music, and I, the revelry that was attached to that is just seared in my mind. And it was, you know, supposed I to mean, be I music. prefer it. I don't know about yeah. you, but I would prefer a party. My my, we're, I'm Cuban American, but my mom grew up in Key West. And when there's a funeral, it's exactly like that. There's like a parade and there's a party. And I think they've kind of watered it down here in Miami where it's not as somber as I would say like a traditional Catholic funeral is. Like we're cracking jokes. We're taking out albums. Like it's like that. Um, And I much prefer it than like the the more somber events. But everybody grieves differently. I just prefer to grieve celebrating life than being sad about it. Yeah, and I mean, I think that was part of like kind of the cultural thing that that happened is when when it was taken over by America in 1803, and Americans start flooding into the city, you get this real cultural clash where it's, you know, they just hadn't seen that races mixing together, they hadn't seen people kind of, I don't know, just celebrating with such grandeur and, I don't know. They were. It, it was just was that Puritan mentality from like New England. That's part of the other reason why I left New England. I mean, yeah. now I like it. Now I'm charmed by it. But it would, seemed very like kind of uptight and, and buttoned up, and you know. But down here, it's very relaxed. So there, that's always kind of played into the stories here as well. Well, it's really interesting how a culture deals with death, and I think that's the other thing. These ghost stories teach us like through this lens of like spooky stories like how did this culture at this period in time feel about death and what happened after death and how we should respect it or celebrate it or move with it how do we get these feelings out right yeah so we have um on the twilight tour that the is for the tweens we talk Mm -hmm. about victorian morning rituals and they like Victorians are fascinating the way they dealt with death. And there's mm. um, there's a museum in the French Quarter, the Gallier House, that does a that kind of dig, digs into this and does like rituals and mourning and stuff. But talking about memento mori and how they took pictures of people when they died and like they would take you know their hair and turn it into like mourning jewelry. Um, and there are all these superstitions like covering the mirrors and it it, it really is fascinating and. Um, learning about like the seances that happens like in the mm-hmm. late 1800s and even uh, I think it was Lincoln's wife had um, seances in the White House. <laughs> they actually had them Amazing. in the... <laughs> yeah. <But laughs> it is. It's, it's kind of crazy that, you know, it's... now you think about that and that's like, wow, you'd never, you never, that just doesn't happen, but why not? Like it did and can you imagine the scandal? I would love it if it happened, but can you imagine 
Right, and be such like, a scandal. And so the president can't drop a pen without saying so, somebody saying there's something wrong with his brain. Imagine if yes. there's like a seance in the White House. <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, it's like, all right, whatever. Then if you're gonna say anything about anything, like I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. Right. There's so much scandal now. It's like saturation. True. <laughs> Absolutely true. I would love to hear um, one of the stories that the kids really enjoy, so we could kind of demonstrate how these stories can convey culture and relations between different peoples and the time period. So we have, um, it, so we, there's stories like, there's some that I would do, so okay, so the, and what I'm going to be doing is a, a spooky studies program through mm -hmm. our website or through YouTube, and um, it's we're going to do different kind of ghost stories for different time periods to talk about what's happening at the time period. My husband's walking in. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so there's there, I can tell you one of that that's going to be covered this summer um, that has like a good portrait into New Orleans life and the different things that were happening at the time, or one that we do on the tour that the mm -hmm. kids like are that are intrigued by and like the activity surrounding that. Do you have a preference? Completely up to you. I'm excited to hear either one. Okay, so um, <laughs> well I'll tell you one for the little the little little kids and there's there's like oodles of ghost stories that come along with this one, but there's um, a pirate in New Orleans who's a pretty famous pirate. His name is John Lafitte and he um, was in the Battle of New Orleans with Andrew Jackson um, but in the early 1800s, right before the battle, he had this huge operation, this smuggling operation that was out of New Orleans and about a thousand people that worked for him. And he kind of ran the whole network along the Gulf of Mexico. And there's, of course, with pirates, there's all these stories of like buried treasure and, you know, where this treasure is and stuff. So um, on the tour, we actually go to his old blacksmith shop and there's allegedly his ghost has been spotted in there frequently and my friend used to actually bartend there and she had seen his ghost in there and she didn't oh, believe yeah. in ghosts either so she he's he's an active ghost and he's one that we um pursue on tour mm. <laughs> i'll say that um, but he was said to have so so part of like the teaching about that is he was important in new orleans because there was a um, embargo right at the port and it was locked down mm. and so getting trade in and out of the city was really difficult the british were really putting a lockdown on that and so he was a valued person and a lot of people liked him because he could get stuff that other people couldn't um, mm. which is a way to kind of incorporate trade and international politics to kids right and then he, but he also, there was a slave embargo that was passed in 1807 that um, banned the importation of slaves from Africa. And slavery obviously continues for another 50 years. So mm. to have more, to get new slaves or get new people enslaved brought here, um, pirates played that role and they filled that need. Oh. And so that, that's, you know, the gross aspect of him and so there's like a really horrible part of him where the kids are intrigued by pirates and stuff so you can mm -hmm. kind of teach them about that and we do talk about that um and then of course we'll but we'll slip into the sillier stuff to kind of engage them and, and pull them out so like it has to mm -hmm. that's that's the thing that gets tricky it's like the the history mm -hmm. is kind of gnarly and it's it's dark and there's a lot of um heavy stuff but there's ghost stories that come with it that make it I guess 
palatable or digestible mm. or whatever. Um, so the he was said to have buried some of his treasure throughout the swamps and some of his treasure meaning like um, gold or silver or diamonds or any of those kind of jewels or something like that, that he, he had to get rid of it and hide it so that nobody would come and take it from him. And when he went out to the swamp, he buried it. And when he buried it, um, he actually buried another shipmate, like another another pirate with the treasure to guard over that treasure so that nobody would come and steal it. And but he was alive or dead? He was alive when he buried him. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and so then, of course, that didn't last. So what happens is after he buried him, he turned into something called a fifile. And there's uh, various ghost stories. I, now, I want to go through more of them and kind of um, compare them because this is, this is a common thing, but there's sightings of this spirit, this like blue light that hovers mm -hmm. over the swamp at night. And it's said that you can go down there and you can actually see this light hanging out over the swamp. And it's called a fifile, which is, uh, I think, French for false fire or fool's fire, but it's this glowing light that indicates that there is a spirit there, but people would go out looking for this light because underneath that is where all the treasure is. And so we start telling oh. the kids the story of like, what would you do if you saw the light? Like, what is there? And, you know, it's the spirit of that pirate who's guarding the treasure, but it's also the treasure. So would you jump in and get it? Would you not jump yeah. in and get it? And um, there's a really cool book called uh, Gumbo Yaya that has a, Ooh. it's got. Writing it down. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a whole mishmash of like ghost stories and folk, um, folk tales and legends all over Louisiana. And it was done mm -hmm. in the early 1900s. It was documented the oral history from people and so it went all over louisiana and heard these stories of the same fifile the same pirate story this oh, legend wow. of light and this like pirate out in the swamps that like people would go out looking for and to this day people still go out looking for this light at night and looking to see if they can find that treasure it's really mm -hmm. interesting <laughs> Those adults are going out to the swamps still today looking for Not it te teenagers Teenagers, yeah. Sometimes I've heard teenagers going out looking for it, you know, like kind of looking for trouble at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I've heard like the the plantations, some of the plantations in town have been dug up by teenagers or, or even um, people looking for it, just looking for the treasure. That they, there's this, you know, rumors of treasure hidden all over. So <laughs> treasure <laughs> looking around, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like a fun night, even if there's no treasure. Like, yeah, except there's set no your friends together and go see. There's alligators. Oh, well, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I'm just like, if you're, I, and I just picture like teenagers maybe having, you know, drinking for the first time out in a boat in the dark with alligators. Like, I don't advise it. Don't try this at home, kids. That's yeah. <laughs> but he's, the ghost there said, so we kind of stay in the French Quarter and, and hunt out the ghost there. And there's, we actually have ghost detecting tools where we go up against his uh, pirate shop and go looking for his spirit there. And the kids can kind of detect his energy and stuff, which is so neat. Do the kids, right, are these kids from outside of Louisiana, mostly? Yeah, mostly. I have had some, and I do a lot of birthday parties with local mm. kids, which is great. So we start getting these kind of, I'll have like a few kids from the first grade class at like, um, you know, Luster Elementary. And then like a few weeks later, I'll have some other first grade kids from that class. And then a few weeks mm -hmm. later, I'll, and apparently like the parents okay. and the kids are all talking to each other. And so the word kind of spreads. And this past fall I had, it was fantastic. I think we'd all been cooped up in the city. Yeah. Under lockdown. 
And then they heard like, there's a ghost tour you can go on, like go ghost hunting. And I got, and then I had like a bunch of fourth graders at another school who were doing the same thing and it would just spread around that class. So it's fantastic. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, you know, you don't really tour around your own city, but New Orleans mm-hmm. has is a history book. You know, it's like your social studies yeah. class is right here. You can just go outside and live that history. Yeah, like you said, like the, the ghost stories are a great way to engage them because there's they they will get bored. I hate to say, it, but they'll get yeah. hit them over the head with like a you know straight up history. So they they can hear a lot more and take in a lot more if you kind of mm-hmm. put a ghost hunting tool in their hand. And oh, absolutely. Story, yeah. I'd love to know before we finish. I'd love to know about your next online course. Yeah, so this is, I'm doing this in July, and it's um, Mm -hmm. called Spooky Studies, so it's like Spooky Social Studies, Mm -hmm. and it's going to involve um, a short video lesson of the time period, so we're going to go sequentially through Louisiana history, starting with Native Americans, and then doing the French, and then talking about um, slavery, and then Spanish, and then Americans, and kind of go through like that. And then I'm going to do a little lesson about it. I'm going to um, tell them some weird but true facts about the history because there's like some kind of bloopers in history that happened when like the British tried to take over and they failed and stuff. I want to teach them that, show them some primary sources that from that time period that are like, you know, just old tattered documents of Mm. what from that because that's that's a big part of what they learn in social studies, like and what they have to use for reading and writing out going through school but it's the really cool stuff and, and mm-hmm. you know they see it on state tests and stuff and it's just i think they don't see how cool primary sources really are so yeah. i want them to see it up front and maybe try to replicate it how show them how to make like an old-fashioned looking map from you know looks like the 1600s with like the fancy That's drawings cool. on it and colored in and then tell them a ghost story from that time period that would actually be something like so for native americans the um there was a belief that crawfish were created the world <laughs> and oh, that they, wow. the world was made out of water and that crawfish um were like the first beings and they went under the water and got to the earth and threw the earth back up and it actually created mm-hmm. the land and that's and so the crawfish was kind of created uh, like a sacred thing and there were totems with crawfish oh. um, um so we want to to tell the kids about that story and I'll um, flesh out some more of the details and then have the kids illustrate it. And so each week we're going to have, they can either illustrate the history lesson or they can illustrate the ghost story or supernatural story. And whoever does the best illustration that week is going to get a $10 gift card to Amazon. And so oh, I'll cool. share it on Monday and everybody can kind of see each other's in, you know visual interpretations of history. And then that mm-hmm. next week we'll start the next lesson and do it over again. That's so cool. Maybe I'll sign up as an adult. (laughs) Adults can do it, but only kids get prizes. I know. Sorry, guys. That's fair. Well, if you have kids, you can get your kids to sign up. That's true. That's true. I I always do that. I sign up my daughter for things that I really (laughs) want to do, and then I sit in in the class. Then you'll get notifications for the new video dropping, and then you can just send in uh, email the um, the art art pieces. They can do sculptures, they can do uh, paintings, they can do whatever they want, and we're going to have a little contest, and then whoever wins, I email them. So it's fully on YouTube? It's fully on YouTube, yeah. What's the YouTube channel? It's French Quarter Kids Tours. 
Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes too. Is there anywhere else folks can find you? Um, I'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook and stuff, um, and in New Orleans on tour. Yeah, <laughs> I you on the street. <laughs> yeah, see me on the street. That's right. And I would love to. I mean, you really have sparked my imagination in this because it's. It seems like I don't know. I, I just I love hearing how this idea of like using ghost stories to teach history because in schools you're not allowed to talk about that and it's just right. so closed off but I'm not teaching in schools anymore so like right. that world is like wide open so I really mm -hmm. like I've not been able to really dig into it and it's I appreciate you encouraging that idea and like really inspiring me I, I would love to even like write and illustrate children's books of these spooky stories that oh, that'd like, be so cool It'd be fun. There's so much. <laughs> because like what, you, like what you're saying, in schools they don't allow some of these things, but also it's like the idea of the word occult, right? Occult just means things that had to go underground because the mainstream culture didn't allow it. So some of these like spooky stories and some of these stories you're telling, it's really from the cultures that weren't allowed a voice. So you're actually amplifying the voice of these people that still to this day aren't allowed to be heard. Wow, I didn't know that, that that's what that word meant. That's cool. Yeah, a cult. That makes sense, cult. Wow, yeah, you're exactly right. It definitely gives voice to people who aren't heard. And it tells a lot about that time period. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's fascinating to study. So I'm really, I appreciate you, you know, reaching out and um, setting this up. It's been really cool to wrap my head around and just get dig into like another project. No, thank you. That. I'm fa fascinated by your work. I, I love it, and I can't wait to continue to follow you. And I'd like to thank you so much for sharing your voice with our audience. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I hope, we'll I, I hope to, to see you on YouTube or see uh, your comments. Yeah, for or, sure. <laughs> yeah, see your drawings and submissions. You can submit your own, absolutely. <laughs> I will. All right, good seeing you. Thank you. Thanks again. You. Bye. Thank you. Bye.